Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. Acts chapter 3. As we turn our attention to Acts, just to kind of um, exhale for a moment, um, because again, I I have it here, and so uh, I have what we're going to be looking at. Um, I, I understand that we are living in a very unique and for some a very difficult moment in history. And this may be something that is growing in our awareness or consciousness here in America, uh, because especially for us in America, I don't believe that there has been a time, as I've shared before, especially in my lifetime, uh, which I'm going to be 40 later this year. So I don't believe that there's been a time in my lifetime where the pressures such as we are experiencing as a people, um, as a country together, have been as divisive and as hostile. The adversity that seems to have saturated our nation, um, for me at least, and this definitely could just be an opinion of mine, is at an all-time high. And for some, it's created a lot of difficulty as to how we are supposed to navigate the days that we are living in. Whose side do I take? When there are so many controversial conversations, who am I supposed to rally alongside of? Who do I identify with? What, what category, what conversation, what crowd, what movement, what stream, what person, what opinion, what channel even do I subscribe to to make sure that the, let's just say the, 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 the moderating of the current events, whoever's moderating that, Whoever's creating the narrative, I want to make sure that I'm giving myself to a conversation that is actually leading me in the right direction. I don't want to land at a supposed destination and then realize that all along the way, I didn't actually understand that this is where I was being drawn to. Um, These are very, for some, again, difficult and divisive days. And there seems to be a raging right now. Um, a raging right now. But, but we understand, right? Those of us who have um, a biblical foundation, those of us who have given ourselves to a scriptural accountability, right? This is, this is Psalm 2. When the nations rage, right? Especially against the Lord and his anointed one. Um, so we understand that, that in days when the nations are raging and when the experience, because for those of us, especially who live in America, Um, I think you can come to the same conclusion that I come to. There is a raging in our nation. Um, It's a raging, and it's happened in a variety of ways. Um, Yes, there's the political conversation, and there's the raging of political parties and political ideologies and political affiliation. Um, There's the raging that has surfaced between races. 
And there seems to be an increased hostility between people groups, um, the sudden resurgence of anti-Semitism, the sudden resurgence, not to say that these things have ever gone away entirely. That's why I say the resurgence. Um, There seems to be a rising to the surface that has come with a lot of pain. It's come with a lot of pressure. It's come with a lot of weighty conversations and a lot of real adversity between people and people groups groups and categories and subjugating folks. There seems to be a rise once again between races and ethnicities, not just anti-Semitism, but there's all the race-oriented um, rage and hostility um, between black and white and even Asian and, and all of these things that have seemed to be thrown into a stew pot of chaos in our day. And, and again, not to say that these things have ever gone away, Um, Because let's just go ahead and submit that racism is not an America issue. Um, Racism is a global issue. Racism is a biblical issue. Um, God said, I will choose this people to be my people. And immediate rage, an eternal supernatural rage from the rest of the nations of the earth against God's selection of a people group. So racism is a global issue. Racism is a biblical issue. Um, But what I am finding, and and it's what we're going to look at here in Acts chapter 3, is that if we are not careful, and we'll just go ahead and dive headway um, into the thoughts, and you know, I'm framing it a certain way for sure, um, but we'll just go ahead and dive headway into it. What we are seeing more and more is that, especially in the church, right? I, I expect unbelievers. And when I say unbelievers, I'm not talking about people who believe in God, right? Or people who don't believe in God. Um, Because answering that question alone is not enough for me. Uh, And that may sound a little strange and it may create some sort of conflict in an immediate way. I don't really have that great of a concern as to how you answer the question, does God exist? Right, right. We too minimally try to satisfy our desire for evangelistic initiative. Like, well, do you believe that God exists? Yes or no? That's that's a surfacey type thing for me. Why? The devil believes that God exists. The devil believes in Jesus. So just saying, well, I believe in Jesus, that's not enough. The devil believes in Jesus. The issue is, even though the devil believes in Jesus, he won't surrender his life to Jesus and to Jesus as king. So for me, it's not enough to just bring people through a process of conversation and then to be like, oh, well, I brought them to the point where they said they believe in Jesus. Like, praise God, mission accomplished. No, mission not accomplished at all whatsoever. Um, So I don't expect unbelievers or even people who say they believe in God, but have not actually surrendered their life to God or have not actually come to what Jesus would have told Nicodemus is a born again type of experience, John chapter three. What Paul would say in 2 Corinthians five, if any man is in Christ, that's not just a belief in Jesus, but that is an actual deep rooting of our lives through a born again experience where we are no longer what we used to be because we saw something that we've never seen. And now what we saw in him by the power of his spirit in us has made us what Paul says is a new creation. 
a new creation. So I don't expect people that are not a new creation to respond the way that a new creature should. There is a different accountability that rests upon the lives of those of us that are born again. There is a different level of accountability. We are responsible for what God has done, meaning has done history, encounter, transformation, conform to his image, born again, that growing over time as we are growing in the image and the actual stature and substance in our lives of Jesus. We are responsible for what God has done, is doing. We are responsible. And we are responsible to respond to the situations that are happening in life in a different way than the world does. We're responsible. We are not supposed to be the same, which means that we are not supposed to respond the same way. And these are going to be very familiar passages in Acts chapter 3 that we're about to look at. Um, we understand the day of Pentecost has happened, right? 3,000 have come in. Um, they've, uh, there's just been wild chaos that's been going on in the streets. Um, but then after that, right, when we turn over Acts 3, it says Peter and John are going at the time of prayer to the temple. And they encounter a lame man who is sitting by the gate, beautiful. And again, th- th- this is very familiar to, to many of us, I'm sure. And I'm not going to try to major on the things that seem very familiar, the details of the story that we already know, um, but I'm going to try and create an emphasis on a particular place in the interaction between Peter and John and this lame man. And it says that as they are heading to the temple, um, we can pick it up. Um, you know, let's pick it up in verse three. When he saw... Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking them to receive alms. So there was a request from this lame man when he saw Peter and John. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All right, we're going to simplify things. Peter and John are going to the temple at the time of prayer. And there is a lame man there. The lame man sees them and begins to treat them as he treats everybody else. He puts in a request to them. There's something that he feels he wants from them. There's a demand coming out of and off of the life of the man that is lame. We could say 
He's broken. He's lame. There's something that's not right. And out of the life of this man where things are not right, he's lame. He's broken. He's crippled. Out of and off of the life of this man, he is looking at Peter and John and he is placing a demand on them when he sees them. There is something that I feel I want from you. Do you have it? And I'm sure that he treated many people this way. It says that he was there regularly. At this time, he knew that there would be, you know, people passing by. There would be um, crowds and commotion and so on and so forth. But the point or the emphasis is, is there was a demand that was alive in the heart of this man. And he put his demand or placed his request with Peter and John. And Peter and John recognize the demand. It's not that they were unaware. They saw him and they heard him and they placed their attention on him so much so that they said, no, look at us. And when he gave them their attention or his attention, when he gave his attention to them, they said to him, right? We have it right here, right? This is, this is very familiar, even in other translations, because this is the way I've heard it forever. Other translations, silver and gold, have I none? But such as I do have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and begin to walk. Man, amazing. And praise God for people that realized or were aware of the power that they carried in God. Praise God. Um, But what we find is that Peter says, listen, we hear what you're saying. And we hear what it is that you say you want. We are aware of the demand that you are making. We know that there's an immediate sense. We are very sensitive to the pressure of the request that you are putting our way. But rather than caving to the pressure, rather than giving in, to the immediacy of the demand rather than simply subjecting themselves to this broken man, this lame man and entering into the conversation that he created himself. Peter says, I actually don't have what it is that you're asking for. I don't have what it is that you think you want from us. I don't have a way to satisfy the conversation that you have created. Even though this is the demand, even though this is the desire, even though this is the source of the pressure that is coming our way in the form of your request, I don't have a way that I am willing to satisfy the conversation that you have created and have brought to us. I don't have anything for that. But I do have something. And the something that I do have may not be what you're asking for. It may not even be what you think you need. It may not even be something that you think is possible. But such as I do have, I will give you. And he seized the man or he seized the moment. And he brought the lame man into his conversation rather than subjecting himself and limiting himself in the man's conversation and what he knew he did not have 
in himself as a way to satisfy the demand of this man's conversation. Why does this even matter? Um, We are seeing more and more where those of us who believe, we are trying very hard to enter into the world's conversation. We are trying very hard to enter into the world's conversation because the world is bringing us a lot of conversations. The world is bringing us a lot of pressure and the world is placing upon us a lot of demands. Do something about this. Give us an answer for this. Where does your Jesus fit in this? And there's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of conversations. There's a lot of chaos because the world is raging and there's a lot of hostility right now. But if we are not careful, we will enter into the conversation that the world is creating. And we will try to satisfy the world's demands with worldly solutions. Because this is the scenario that is unfolding. What I want is money. I want alms. Give me silver and gold. And thank God for Peter and John who were sensitive enough to realize that there was an underlying issue that needed to be satisfied. There was something that was buried. It was deeply rooted beneath the surface of the immediacy of the demand and the conversation. And Peter and John obviously carrying God, the Holy Spirit, recognized that I am not willing to entertain, I am not willing to enter into, I am not willing to subject myself to simply try and satisfy the world's demands with the world's solutions or resources. Um, But if we're not careful, and we see it happening all over the place, we see it happening all over the place. Here's the conversation right? Here's the conversation. Let's just choose. um, And again, there's any one of dozens of conversations right now. And I'm not picking one of them uh, as if to suppose that one of them is more important than any other one of them. Um, But let's choose the race conversation. The race conversation is putting a demand on the church to say, where does your Jesus fit in this conversation? What side does he take? Think about it. You, you, you know that this is the scenario. The conversation that the world has created. And for some of us, even in the church, we are perplexed because we ourselves are trying to figure out where does Jesus fit in this conversation? What side would he take? Who would he rally alongside of? Who would he stand next to? Who would he choose to identify with? Would there be a color? Would there be a continent? Would there be an ethnicity? Would there be a language? Who is it that Jesus would stand, would sit? Who would he come? What side would he choose, right? And so if we're not careful, then this is the way that we too perceive the the conversation. But there's a problem with perceiving the conversation this way. And I know that this may seem right, but, but here again, it doesn't really matter to me what seems right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, ultimately it leads to death. We are not to surrender ourselves or subject ourselves to try and satisfy 
the world's conversations and the demand that they are putting upon us in order for us to proclaim to them or reveal to them where our Jesus fits into the conversation that they have created. Um, but Mike, that doesn't make a lot of sense, man, because there's a lot of things happening in the world. There's a lot of painful situations that are going on. There's a lot of hostile situations that are happening right now. And you just can't pretend like these things aren't real. You just can't ignore them. You just can't always try to step aside and step back and uninvolve yourself. Like these are moments where the church should take her place. These are moments where the saints, where the friends of God should rise and we should have answers. We should have solutions. We should insert or interject ourselves into all of the hostility of the moment when the world is raging and people are falling apart and things are being sifted on every side. This is the moment where you should get in the game. I I totally agree. I didn't say that. I totally agree. 100%. For me, it's not how or it's not whether or not we get involved. That's the issue. It's how we get involved for me. That's the problem. Um, And for many of us, we are getting involved um, in ways that I don't necessarily and honestly believe that Jesus is getting involved. Um, And you can wear a Jesus t-shirt. You can create a Jesus hashtag. Um, you can facilitate Jesus bumper stickers. You can use all of the Jesus language you want to. None of those things actually create a real authorization. None of those things actually mean that God himself is also interested and endorsing the way that we are going about things. Um, And God is willing to endorse, right? This is what Peter says in Acts 2.22. Remember this Jesus, whom God endorsed to you with many signs, wonders, miracles, power, demonstration, glory. God gave himself to the mission that he was on in and with the life of a man. Jesus wasn't just an immediate seeming type movement, um, but Jesus was a man that was on a mission and God was in him and with him. Um, And Jesus is God. So, All of that, it's not whether or not we get involved, it's the way we get involved. And I believe that there's a lot that we can learn and should learn from the way that Peter and John chose to get involved. Um, Peter says, silver and gold have I none. Um, Let's just say that he didn't leave it there, but he says, such as I do have. But when we don't feel like we have anything else to offer, then we go looking for silver and gold. And I'm, I'm not talking about silver and gold as in like monetary, material, money-related things. I'm talking about the resource from a world and the world system that the world puts a demand on us to supply and satisfy their desires with. Peter and John are saying the answers to your issue 
are not rooted in the world or its system. And so I am not going to try and satisfy the demand of the world system with more of the same things that are rooted in the world, things that are born out of the world system, things that are just fleshly, they're carnal, they're lower level. They are filled with sin and saturated with pride and arrogance. All of the resources of this life that are rooted in the world and its system All of these things are not going to satisfy the issue and the desire and the demand that you are putting on us. You need something from another place. And such as we do have, this is what we are going to give to you. It's what we bring. Um, Again, just in the lane or in the vein of the race conversation, we are not trying to satisfy the world's demands by simply just stating a particular race that Jesus would be willing to side with, stand for, that he would be willing to champion alongside of. Um, Why would I say something that would seem so counter, so contradictory, so offensive? Um, It's because we should believe that the church carries the solution to all of the racial woes of our times the church carries the solution and it's because the church should believe in what the gospel proclaims that the wisdom of the cross that the power in the blood of jesus that god's willingness to be humiliated before his enemies and executed on behalf of rebels That God's wisdom to lay down his own life and then to raise it up again after conquering death, after abolishing the grave, after defeating sin and hell, to raise his own life up out of the grave on the other side of death and then to be alive and to ascend, we should believe that the proclamation of this gospel because of what God has done in Christ has now made a way for the creation of a brand new people to fill the nations of the earth that we are no longer even as Ephesians 2 would communicate it simply Jew or Gentile but all of the eternal enmity all of the walls of division all of the hostility throughout the ages it has been abolished God has made a way to conquer it and we are now all of us that are broken our broken lives have found perfection and reconciliation having been put into the life of the perfect perfect one that was broken on our behalf and now as the expression of one new man we are one people we are one family no longer divided by ethnicities color of skin no longer raging and hostile against one another um now i know that the immediate comeback would be, well, these things are very much so alive in the church and those hours on Sunday morning are some of the most segregated times of the whole week across our nation. And even the understanding of that and to the degree that it is true 
should break our hearts. That there is still a lot of work to be done inside of those of us who say that we've given ourselves to Jesus. That because of what God has done in us, that we are now a brand new creation. We're not just a polished up version of our old self and our old life, but we are something that is entirely new. We're a new creature. We're a new creation. And now because of what God has done in us, it has destroyed all of the reasons and the weapons of division that the enemy is wielding through the powers of the air in order to conquer the reality of what God has done in us and between us. Because what God has done in us is not solely and only for us, but what he has done in us has also created something special between us. We are one people. We are the expression of one new man. And we should believe that the gospel has created a brand new conversation that has come into the world. At least that's what we should believe is that the gospel has created its own conversation. The gospel has created its own conversation. And we are not trying to figure out where Jesus fits and where the gospel fits in the world's conversation. Because the gospel is the conversation that rescues people from the world's conversation and the world's system. A hope, a faith, and an anchor in the gospel, rightly responding to the announcement of the gospel, right? When they heard the preaching on the day of Pentecost, they said as their hearts were pierced in response to the things that we have just heard, what must we do? The gospel has created its own conversation. And the gospel has actually created a way for a new family to repopulate the cities, regions, and nations of the earth. God is repopulating the nations while there is still time and he is on his rescue mission throughout the nations because we are living in an age, in a time period of mercy and grace. Why is it mercy and grace? Because time still exists. Because we are leaning in towards what we know is the end of the age when time will come to an end and will time comes to an end, that means that that all of the time for people to respond in a right way to the announcement of the gospel will come to an end. And there will be no more time for men to repent, for men to turn, for men to get right with God. But while we are living in the time period where time still exists, for God to be on mission throughout the nations in an attempt to redeem in an attempt to harvest and reconcile, in an attempt to ready the nations for the soon coming return of his son, King Jesus. While there is still time, we are planted in cities. We are planted throughout the nations with a conversation that does not belong to the world. This is very real. This is very real. Um, and we are living in a moment where it is time 
to sift our hearts of the ways that we have been living for things that are only immediate satisfactions. Because there has to come a time where all of what we are giving ourselves to in a way that is immediate is being informed and inspired by what God considers to be ultimate. Ultimate things should inform immediate things. Ultimate things should inspire immediate things. And for too long, the church, and now again, I have to be careful because I, I understand this is an online type of thing. And in an online environment, um, there are many online or social media tough guys that will try to take one little snippet of what you say and then ruin your whole life with it. Um, this is not some gripe against the church. I myself am helping to lead a church. I myself and my wife have planted a church. We have been a part of the church ever since our time of being born again. This is not some independent, isolated, maverick, tough guy, renegade, my way or the highway, I've got a ministry and it's to criticize the church kind of thing. Um, That is so far from what is actually happening. But from one who is jealous to see the church rise in this hour of history for one that is jealous to see the church fulfill God's purpose in this time period of history for one that is jealous to see Jesus have the people that he deserves rise and shine and take their place in this hour of history. This is where statements such as these are being born from. And for too long, um, the church has done a great job at satisfying worldly people. Um, Even in the church, people who are more in love with the world than they are with Jesus. Worldly people. We have taken worldly people and made them religious. We have told them, you can love the world You can act the same way they do. You can endorse, celebrate, and champion everything that the world does so long as you do it with the adoption of a Jesus-type language. And it's what has happened over time. And from within our own, we have raised up a worldly people that are religious. And because they are religious... They are worldly, but they are religious. We have found ourselves in complicated times of trying to navigate all of the hostility of the circumstances that are hitting our front door. And in most cases, we don't really know how to respond. And even if we're not willing to admit that, we are responding in ways that are wrong. Um, But that's not what Peter and John did. Um, Peter and John looked at the demands of the world. Um, Let let me just ask you, how are you handling the demands of the world right now? With all of the variety of conversations, all of the hostility, the, the adversity, all of the raging of the nations and the way that that is very real right now, even from within the construct of your city and the plot of ground where you may know that you are sowing your life into the soil of bleeding on behalf of God's purposes of this hour, this moment in history. How are you handling the demands of the world? Um, are you just trying to, like the rest of the world, pick sides, pick sides, 
Are you just trying to, like the rest of the world, satisfy the world's demands with worldly resources? Are you trying to engage them and just give them more of the same, which really, in an ultimate sense, we understand isn't even helping the underlying or the deeply rooted issues and problems and the real depth and degree of brokenness that the world is experiencing right now? Are you just giving them what it is that they want? Or do you honestly believe that you have something that's from another place? It's from another source. Do you honestly have a confidence in the gospel? Do you have a confidence in the gospel? Um, now, 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 this isn't, this is something that should be considered. It's something that needs to be considered beyond an immediate knee-jerk response because you also understand that, that it would be very problematic if you were to say, no, I don't really have a confidence in the gospel. That, that, that would create way more wrestling and way more issues, maybe even in an interior way in our own hearts. But eventually we have to observe and measure the way that we've been living. Um, because just to say it in a simple way, a life in God is observable and it's measurable. Um, meaning you can watch people live and you can measure by the way that they are living the degree of maturity, stature, substance, real transformation, real being conformed to the image of Jesus. And part of that is do you actually have a deeply rooted confidence in the gospel? Do you believe that the announcement of the gospel is God's remedy to the woes of this world and the deeply broken issues of this life? Do you believe that? Because you should. We should. We should believe that silver and gold have I none. Worldly resources are never going to get it done. Satisfying the world's demands with things that belong to the world. But God is on a rescue mission right now. And he has given us his own life in order to equip us. Right now, now this, is, this is amazing. God has given us his life in order to make sure that we have everything we need in order to fulfill his mission that he is on in the nations. He has given us his own life. Um, put in very simple terms, God has laid down his own life in order to make sure that he can get everything that he himself wants. Now, now where does this become an issue? Um, this becomes an issue with all of this, um, just live your best life now kind of stuff. Let, let me just encourage you. You should not think that you are going to live your best life now. Your best life awaits you on the other side of death. Your best life awaits you when you open your eyes in eternity and you are face to face with this crucified God and this bridegroom king. Your best life awaits you when you are transformed forever, when you are glorified as an eternal human alive in eternity with Jesus to love him and enjoy him in a place where time will no longer put boundaries on the experience of that. That is where your best life awaits you. 
Um, however, if we love the world and if we are in love with the world, then we will attempt to define our success by the systems and standards of this world. Rather than understanding that God himself did not even limit himself to the definition of success while he was a man walking among us, Jesus's life, according to worldly standards, would not have been a success story. As a matter of fact, they mocked him. They criticized him. They said to him in a moment, again, do something. They said to him in a moment, you did it for everybody else. And in the moment when it would matter most, bring yourself down. But there you hang, embarrassed. There you hang, humiliated. There you hang, weak, broken. No solution, no way to fix the issue. Look at you now. There has to come a time period where we are no longer defining the success of our lives by what the world says, but to understand that God has laid down his own life in order to make sure that he can have everything he wants. Now, now that's important to know or even to consider because what I did not say is that God has laid down his life in order to make sure that you can have everything that you want. God has not laid down his own life in order to make sure that you can have everything that you want in this life. That's not at all what he's done. And I get it. Depending on the degree of love for the world that we have, we can massage certain scriptures in order to satisfy our desire for worldly satisfaction, in order to desire worldly success stories, in order to believe that what God is most interested in is my worldly success that all of the immediate ways that he's going to respond to the desires that I have for meaning and value here in the system of this world and the things that it offers. But that's not at all. It's not, hear this. I'm going to say it as simple and as clear as I know. That is not at all what God has done. He has laid down his own life in order to make sure that at the end of the age, he has everything that he wants. And to the degree that that stings and it's like offensive to us, um, your idea of Jesus may not be in alignment with who Jesus has actually revealed himself to be. And that's okay because we still have time to reconcile and get right. Um, we still have time to understand that maybe my Jesus isn't the real Jesus. That maybe my version of Jesus isn't the Jesus that has actually gone to great lengths in order to reveal himself as he longs to be known in his word. Because at the end of the age, we're not going to be surprised at who Jesus reveals himself to be. At the end of the age, I promise you this. He is going to be exactly who he said he was the whole time. And God has given his life in order to make sure that he can have what he wants. And the announcement of the gospel has come crashing in to our life and into the world around us in order to 
bring a rescue to those that are broken, that are lame, not to simply satisfy them and resource them with more things that belong to the world. That is not what the announcement of the gospel has come to do. The announcement of the gospel has not come to simply just resource us with more silver and gold, right? And again, I'm using the language silver and gold to mean things that are born from below, things that belong to the world, things that are resourced from a world system, from the world construct, from all of the fleshly, carnal ways of life, that this is what I'm using um, the term silver and gold for. But God is on a rescue mission because he has given his life in order to free us from the bondage of our own life so that now he can give us his life and we can be free from our life and now I can give my life because his life is alive in me. I can give my life to his mission for the rest of the time that he gives me to be alive. And now he is the one that gets to determine what is a success and what is not. Because he's freed me from the tyranny of the world and its conversation. He has freed you from the bondage, the captivity, the tyranny of the world and the demand that you belong to its conversation. Our lives belong to a different conversation. And the conversation that our lives belong to does not belong to the world. And at the end of our life and at the end of the age, our lives are not going to be evaluated and rewarded by how well we satisfied the demands of the world. Our lives are not going to be evaluated and rewarded by how much of the world we had in us. And there will be one opinion, there will be one conversation that matters at the end of the age. And Jesus will get to determine whose life was an actual success. How do you evaluate success? Because I can tell you the way the world does. Power, platform, fame, fortune influence this is the way that the world determines who's successful and who's not who is able to leverage the resources the desires the ambitions the dream that the world has whoever can leverage that or harness it towards their own outcome and benefits in a greater way those are the success stories that the world elevates Um, But the cross elevated a man that God said was and is the most successful and the greatest success story that the world has ever known. And the world mocked him. And the world criticized him. And in fact, the world crucified him, even though he leaned into it and gave himself to it. And in love, he laid his life down to prove that the hostility and the rage in the heart of man 
is never going to be satisfied by simply joining into that conversation or retaliating against it in might. But he laid his life down and he loved them even unto the point of death. And he chose to be broken on behalf of them. He leaned into it and laid down on behalf of it to prove that he was Lord over it all. And now the gospel and the announcement of the gospel, again, such as I do have, I know that the world is putting a demand that we join its conversation, but we have our own conversation. Such as I do have. Such as I do have. And the announcement that Jesus is king and his kingdom has been set up in our hearts and we're ambassadors, we're representatives. We are now living in light of what God says is ultimate and our lives have been given over to his mission and he's the one that determines. He's the one that evaluates. Our success in being aligned to his mission is now what governs my life. And all of the world's systems, standards, and all of the controversy and chaos of their conversation, we like a seed have now been sown into the soil in cities and nations around the world. And through the announcement of the gospel and through the giving of our lives as a new creation, as a new people, as a family bought by the blood of God's own broken body. We are now put into this moment of history with a conversation that we have to bring to the world. And it's this conversation that is the rescue from brokenness, from darkness. It's this conversation That is God's offering. It is his announcement. Respond to this conversation rightly and be free. Respond to this conversation in the right way. What must we do in light of the things that we have heard? If everything that you are saying is true, my life must be rearranged in the way that I respond to the conversation. This conversation is such as I do have. Um, But if we're not careful, we will jump into all of, just all of the current of chaos that is happening in the world right now. And we'll jump in trying to take sides. We'll jump in trying to pick and choose. We'll jump in trying to align ourselves and trying to rally along with the right thing and trying to join the movement and all of this kinds of crazy stuff. But the question at the end of the day is, are these things deeply rooted? Does it begin with the gospel as the emphasis? We are not trying to figure out where the gospel fits in the woes of the world, but in and through the announcement of the gospel, we are inviting the world out of its woes because the gospel satisfies all of the world's conversation because it invites them out of it. Um, And I am greatly encouraged by the confidence of Peter and John. And I am believing that in the, the days that we're living in, 
that God is going to raise up a people that love his son more than they love the world. That God is going to raise up a people that are more in love with Jesus than they are with the things that the world has to offer. That God is going to raise up a people, the people that Jesus deserves because he deserves a people. He deserves a people that will love him. He deserves a people that will live for him. He deserves a people that will go all in with him. He deserves a people that will honor him by life or by death. He deserves a people that will willingly give themselves for God to be glorified in them and through them. He deserves a people. And I believe that God is going to raise up this people and that they are going to take center stage in this hour of history and that the gospel will begin to be proclaimed and it will begin to be prevailed with great power and that God's rescue mission to come crashing into the darkness with the announcement of the gospel, we will see a sweeping move of repentance and the glory of God saturating our cities where people are casting off all of the world's ways and conversations in light of the Holy Ghost unveiling in their hearts the beauty of this man, Jesus. And then beginning to realize through the power of the Spirit, that Jesus actually is the hope for the world, that he is the only hope um, and that he has come close and he has preached peace to those of us who thought we were far and even those of us who already felt like we were near. And he himself is our peace, is what Paul would tell us in Ephesians 2. He himself is our peace. And his gospel is our power and the power of his spirit in us to align our lives to him and to his mission and his purposes in this hour of history is where our confidence should lie. But does it? And if it doesn't, then we pray with all of our hearts. And we turn to the Lord and we say, there's something that you have to do in me. There's still work yet to be done in me because I find myself so wrapped up and so consumed, not me personally, but I'm speaking on behalf of anyone who would respond. I find myself so consumed with getting it right in the political matters. I find myself so consumed with getting it right in the race issues. I find myself so consumed with getting it right in whatever conversation it is that you want to throw yourself into. I am so consumed, but I want my confidence to be in the gospel. We need a mass return to the gospel, a mass return and a newly found, deeply rooted confidence in the gospel and the power of the gospel, the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel, a newly found and a deeply rooted confidence in the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. Um, this is what we need. Um, it's what we need to champion. It's what we need to lead with. Um, because again, um, this is 
This is, and it should be, where our hope lies. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.